Begin the current daf the Sefer Zbah Bekama Daf Kof Hey. Begin eight lines down with the top of the Yomit, where the Gemara continues explaining the halacha from a previous Mishnah. That is, our Mishnah said that there is a, a, a word in the pasuk La Shehu Loi, which is that when someone swears falsely regarding a stolen object that he denies having, then he admits. Then he has certain penalties, being the chaymish, being the carbon asham. So in that, the Mishnah explained that the requirement of having to return it to his hands itself is only if it's regarding the theft itself. But if, let's say, he was Michael on the Karen, or if he already paid it up, and he was denying regarding the theft, that wouldn't require that he has to return that money to the hands of the person himself. So the Mishnah said, etc., which are those cases which is, if, let's say, he owed him the fifth or other things, or he was Michael, the principal besides less than the Shavapruta. So then, since it's not a worth, at least of a Pruta, of the principal that he owes him, therefore that he doesn't have to go ahead all the way to Madai to return it to him. The fifth doesn't have that requirement. It's only the Karen, the principal itself, that the Pasuk said, La Shehuloi, that you have to turn to the person themselves. Now, on this halacha, Amr Papi qualifies and he says, Loi Shanu, we didn't learn this halacha that if it's less than the Pruta regarding the principal itself, that you don't have to go ahead and travel all the way to bring it to him, because the halacha only applies to the principal, which has to have at least a shavapruta. Says Rapapa, that's elash in gezela. That's only if the, the theft, meaning that, let's say, half a pruta, less than a pruta's worth, is not kayemis. It's not extant. It's not around from the theft itself. It's just that he owes him now. He has a liability for that half a pruta. But that doesn't have halacha of mammon, because it's less than a shavapruta. That's where we said, okay, so oh, let's say you owe him just a fifth, that you don't have to go travel to Madai all the way far to bring it to his hands itself. But, Abel says, Rapapa, Gizele Kayemes, if that half a pruta from the theft itself is still extant, what he stole from him, that half a pruta's worth is still there, so then you have to actually go ahead and travel all the way to get to him. Because we're concerned that maybe that item, which is worth less than a Shavapruta, will go up in price, will then be worth a Pruta, and then you'll have a Pruta's worth of Gizela from that person, which has the obligation of Lashahulai. So therefore, even though now it's worth less, but if you have something of the Gizela itself, that's where you would have to go after him. Now, Lachav Emission is only talking when it's not around anymore. So you, the, oh, what you owe him is a have a Pruta, that can't go up. But if the object is still there and it's half a pruta, then you have to go ahead and return to the person himself. Actually, Ikid Ami, the Doza say that Amra Papa, he said no. He said, doesn't make a difference if the theft is around or if it's not around and you just owe him money. You don't have to go after him because the second version holds that we're not concerned for this. Maybe it's going to go up in price. And even if the thing gets around, if it's less than a Shavapruta, you don't have to go ahead and travel to the person to give it to him to his hands. Now the Gemara continues with related discussions from Amar Rava. Rava says as follows. He says, If somebody stole three bundles, which are worth for some total of three Prutas. Now, Behuzlu, because this is related to the previous discussion about the price going up, now he's holding on to the theft. They, the three bundles went down in price. Now the total of the three of them are only worth two prutas. Says If he returned two bundles to him, to the person he stole from, he still has to return the bundle, the third bundle. Meaning, what's the chiddush in that halacha? Is that even though right now that third bundle is not worth a shavapruta, but says Rav, since at the time when he stole it, it was worth a pruta, because three of them went for three prutas. So now, even though now it's worth less than a pruta, three are two prutas, and you already returned two, so what you're holding on to is less than a shava pruta, still you have to return it, you have to go travel all the way after the person to return to him. Now, which, as Taisa explains, that if the, uh, the bundle is around, so you have to return the bundle. If not, then you have to give him back the value of that, which was a shava pruta, like how much it was worth at the time that it was stolen. Now, Taisa points out that actually this halacha rub would apply even if he stole just one bundle, which went down the price, that you would have to return to him the bundle or the monetary value. It's just saying a chiddush that even by three, where you already re- at least fulfilled a mitzvah of Hashavah Zagzela on some level, with the two that you did return, even so you have to return that other third one, which is around, which is even less than the Shavah Pruta. Now, and Taisus forewarns, he says that although what the Gemara is going to bring right now, Vatana Tuna, that it's going to support Rabbis Halacha, from that Braisa, we only see regarding when you steal one and it goes down in price. He says this Chiddush of three, that which was an added Chiddush, even though you mean Mekayim Hashabbos Gizela on some level, still that was what Rab was saying, Misvara, from logic, that that would 
be the extension of the same halacha that you would still have to return that object, which is worth less than the Shavu Pruta right now, but since it's the time that you stole it, it was worth, even though now it's worth less and there's no chiv of gizela on less than the Shavu Pruta, you would have to return that one. Which the Gemara says, So to the Tana of our Mishnah, the Tzali Vav supports this halacha of Rava. Because the Mishnah says, Gazel chametz Pesach. Someone steals chametz, and now in his possession, let's say a week before Pesach, he steals it, Pesach passes him by, and he still has that stolen chametz, which becomes asabahano. Chametz that passed Pesach you, has no utility. Still says the Mishnah, You can tell the guy he stole it from, here, this is yours, from in, it's in front of you, this is what I stole from you, I'm giving it right back to you, even though it's the same challah, but you can't even have enough from it. That's the halacha of the Mishnah over there. Says the Gemara, It sounds like because it still extends, meaning the bread is still here, you can give him back that same bread. But if it wasn't around, then even though right now, Chametz is not worth anything, it's not worth, it has no monetary value, but since originally when he stole it, it was worth money, so you have to pay him back right now. Hachanami, here also in the case that Rav was describing, even though now the third bundle is not worth a pruta, but but since originally it was worth a shava pruta, therefore you have to pay him back. And that's the parallel that they drawing from that halacha, which is now, that's the Chiddush of that Mishnah over there, which is the discussion over there regarding of Harisha Cholofanecha, which even though it's not worth anything, but you're returning what you stole. However, and that's related to Hezek Shein and Nikr, it's it, because I'm returning the same object. But if the thing is not there, the inference from that Mishnah is then you got to pay up the money of that. But why? It's not worth anything. What, what do I have to return back? It's not even worth a Shavu Pruta. Ah, because originally when you stole it, it was worth a Shavu Pruta. Oh, that's Allah of Rava. We're here also, it's not worth a Shavu Pruta, but at the time that you stole it, it was worth. So therefore now you also have to return it. A related discussion to this, by Rava. Another discussion. Rava asked the following question. Let's say someone stole two bundles, and the, the total of the two of them was, was worth a pruta. Now he returns one of the two bundles. What's the Allah? As the Gemara explains the question. Do we say, as the Bach puts in the word, now by the thief, he doesn't have theft by him. Meaning, even based on the previous Allah of Rava, which he said that we go based on what it originally was worth, Originally, two bundles went for one pruta, which means each bundle is worth less than a pruta. So even at the time of the gzela, it wasn't worth a pruta. So when he returns one of them, he's not, he doesn't have a theft which halachically requires that Shabbat's gzela has to be worth a pruta. He doesn't have, he already gave back one of them. So he has no gzela, so therefore there's no obligations on him. Or maybe do you say that, no, he never returned the gzela which was by him, meaning... To fulfill that mitzvah of a Shabbos exil, you have to return something worth, he did steal, because he took two, which is worth one. Now, oh yes, he doesn't have an exil now, because he has only less than a Shabbat Pruta, but he never fulfilled his obligation of returning the theft, because he only gave back one, which wasn't even worth a Pruta. So what do you say? Maybe that he has to return the other one now, because he has to fulfill his, his, his mitzvah of a Shabbos exil, which he did commit exil. So the one says, the Hadapashta, subsequently, Rava answered his own question, that gezele and kan, there's no theft. Hashav and kan, and there's no, there's no mitzvah of returning it. Now, the Gemara wonders regarding that statement. I gezele and kan, if there's no theft over here, meaning he's saying that he's not a ganav, meaning he has no gezele by him because all he has is less than Hashav pruta. Well, then Hashav yesh kan, that means to say that he has returned this gezele. Because if he didn't, if he had the obligation, then he would still have to return it. So what does it mean that there's no theft and there's no hashava? What Rav is saying is that even though there is no theft, meaning he has nothing here that's stolen by him that you would say, okay, return it, because he only has less than the Shavu Pruta, and it was always worth less than the Shavu Pruta, this one bundle. Mitzvah has Shavu Enkan still, what, and the way Teis explains it is what it's saying is that you're right, there's, no, uh, there's nothing holding back the, as a mitzvah of Hashava saying, oh, you got to return it, because there is no Gzela. But still, what, it, what, what Rabbi is saying is that he has not fulfilled the mitzvah of Because ultimately, what he returned was not even worth a pruta. So there's no gizela, but there's no hashav. Because he didn't fulfill his mitzvah of until he returns the second one to make for a total of a pruta. A similar type of halacha. V'amar Rabbi. Rabbi says, Hare Amru, they said in the Mishnah Masechus Nagoyim, Nazar Shegilach, 
Cyrus. The Allah is that a Nazar, when he finishes procedure, he has to shave off all his hair from his body. So on that, says the Mishnah, if a Nazar shaved off all his hair, but he left over two hairs, he hasn't done anything because that's not considered shaving off all the hair from his body. He has to, he has to, ta- he has to leave from his hair, he has to take off all of his hair. Now, Bayi Rava, Rava had the following question. Gilach Achas. If he cut off one of the two hairs that was left over. Vinasha Achas. And then one of them fell out. The last one fell out. Maha, what's Allah? Is that considered Giluach? Because Allah is that he has to not only shave off his hair of his head, he also has to, he has to actually do a Giluach. He has to take it off in a certain way, which is shaving off that hair. So the question is, is that considered giluach? Because ultimately the last one fell out, or do you say that, and therefore that shouldn't be considered giluach? Or do you say that there's no mahir? So on that question of Rava, Amalei Ravach Medifti LeRavina, Ravach Medifti asked from Ravina. He says, I don't understand. Nazir Shigilach. I'll give you an example. He says, if a Nazir cuts off all his hairs, he shaves off all his hairs, achas achas, one by one. That was what was Rava was asking. In other words, of course this is considered a giluach. Because at the time when this guy shaved off all his hair, he was coming to cut off the remaining two hairs. Then there was a measurement of a giluach. A, a shaving could only be if it has a substantial amount, which is two hairs. So when he was coming to cut it off, those two hairs were there. Then he cut off one of them. So although that the segment fell out, but he did a cutting on the last hair, and therefore, since he did a giluach, therefore, that should be considered for sure that he fulfilled this mitzvah of migaleach as sa'ir, that he cut off his hair, shaving off his hair. What's the question that Rav is asking if that's considered as if he fulfilled his giluach, his shaving, or not? So Amalei, so Ravina responded, he says, Leitzricha. Now, the case that Rav was asking was the other way around. Which is the first one of the two hairs fell out, and then, when he's coming to cut off his hair, there's no more two hairs, only one more hair, and then he shaves off that last hair. That was Rav's question. Do we say, that now, ultimately, there's no measurement of hair now. There's, there's, he, cut, he cut them off. So therefore, he's going to be exempt. Or maybe do you say, he didn't do a shaving. Why? Originally, after he cut off all his hair, he left over two hairs. Now, two hairs says that the giluach you did wasn't valid because giluach has to take off all the hair. Now, Now the problem is now when he ultimately went to cut off the rest of his hair, unlike the first option of the question, which is, okay, so there's no more hair, so you fill the obligation. No, because he didn't do a giluach. Giluach has to shave it off. He didn't do a giluach because giluach has to be cutting at least two hairs. And when you're coming to cut the last hair, the, the second to the last one, the penultimate one already fell out. You didn't do a shaving on two hairs, and therefore maybe you didn't do a giluach, so you didn't fulfill your obligations as a nazir. So then, the pashta, this, then ultimately he resolved the question. He says, Sar enkan, there's no hair. Giluach enkan, there's no shaving. Gemara wonders. I understand. Isar enkan. If there's no hairs, which means say, okay, so there's nothing to do giluach. So giluach yeshkan. You should say so that is you shaved off. You fulfilled your obligation. And that answers the Gemara like we said before. Hachikama. What he was saying was is enkan. Even though that there is no hair, which is okay. So obviously I did it. It's not true. Mitzvah giluach enkan. It's not that giluach enkan. Of course, you, it's all shaved off. But the mitzvah giluach you didn't do because since when you came to you had left two hairs, which means that you didn't do a giluach. And when you finally came to finish it off, the, one ran, the, the second last one already fell out, and a giluach cannot be on less than two hairs, you didn't do a giluach. So although you're done, you don't have to do anything, but you didn't fulfill your obligation of the mitzvah of giluach. Hari Amr, they said in the Mishnah Masechtas Kalim, Chavesh and Nikva, regarding a barrel that developed a hole on, on, on the bottom of it, V'sasmu shmarim. And then, however, sediments came and clogged up the, the bottom of the hole, which the, the, significance, the significance of this halacha is regarding the halachas of Tumah, which is that if, if there's a skylight, meaning a, an opening between the lower story, the first floor, and the upper story, the second floor, now if there's Tumah in the house, that Tumah is going to go through any cavity that's in the same tent and it's going to transmit Tumah to the upper story. Now the objective would be that if they put like a klicheres, which does not tr- contract Tumah from the outside, it actually would then close up the hole if you put the, 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 the barrel over there, 
and that actually is chaitzis b'fnei tumah. Actually, is going to separate between the tumah of the lower story and the upper story. So they put the barrel there, and then they smooth it around with with tar and with clay, which that would go ahead and block the bottom from the, the first floor from the second floor. Says the Mishnah Hitzilua. So that will save the upper story from having the tumah enter over there again, because the klicheres is what's blocking it. <clears throat> Moreover, although the klicheres itself had a hole, but the closing of the sediments is considered a valid closing of that hole, and therefore Tumma does not, con- does not have any control over that klicheres, and therefore it's blocking the Tumma. Now, so regarding this halacha that Bayi Rabba Rabba asks, what's the agav chetzi mahol? <clears throat> what's if, let's say, on the bottom of the barrel, <clears throat> there was a, a hole large enough that the Tumma could come through, thus making the klicheres susceptible to Tumma, because then it could get into the inside of the klicheres, which could contract Tumma, if it could contract Tumah, then it's not chaitzis, it doesn't separate now anymore between the Tumah of the first floor, which has the dead thing of, from the Tumah coming up to the second story. The question then is, so although it had that hole, but he went and he took, he took cement, he took tar, and he blocked off half of that hole. That's Rav's question, what's the Allah over there? Do we say that right now the hole is not large enough to allow Tumah to come in? And if that would be considered like blocking it up? Or do we say, but no, he didn't close up a sheer measurement of stima of closing up. Because that requires the whole thing to be closed. So what's the halacha? <clears throat> Similar again to the previous Gemara's discussions where, like, there's no more problem over there, but you didn't do what you had to do, which was to close up the whole area. It's not considered a sheer of stima. Closing something up has to have its measurements too. So only Rav Yemil Ravashi says, Lav Mishnah Isn't it our Mishnah meaning the time? We learned over there that Mishnah is at Kalim. It says over there that Chavesh and Nikva, regarding a barrel that was developed a hole, and then it, as we just quoted this halacha before, then the sediments went and closed it up. So it's a lua. So then it's considered as if the barrel's closed, Tumma can't come through, and therefore it saves the Tumma from coming up to the second story. Continues the Mishnah, if you close it up with vines, let's say if there is no sediment over there, so then until you smooth around with the clay from the sides of the vines to really close up that hole very good in the barrel. Or let's say if there were two vines. So then as long as you smooth around the clay also from the sides between each of the vines, then it's going to be considered closed up. And then again, that will be from coming up from the first floor to the second floor. Now says the Gemara, says Rabbi Yemar, Time of the merech sounds like because you smooth the area around with clay. But if you didn't, even though you had vines over there, you had some stuff closing up the hole, but if you didn't make it totally closed with clay, with tar, then it wouldn't be valid. Am I? But why? But that should be like closing up half of it. Not all of it is closed, but, but a lot of it is closed. And if you said like that, that side of that question of Rava, that Agav Chetzi was enough because now the hole is not big enough, even though you didn't do a closing of the whole thing, well then that should be valid enough. Why should you have to be Merech? I mean, that's done. So that Ami said, Ravashi said to Rav it's not a Raya. Because how could you compare the two Alochs? Hasim over there in the Mishnah Mesechtis came regarding the vines. If you're not going to take clay and then close up the gaps between the vines, it's not going to sustain. It's going to fall through. It's not going to hold over there. That's why you have to do it. But but if you close up half the hole of the barrel with clay or with tar, with something that will stay, it will stay. And therefore, again, it doesn't resolve the question of Rava that it could be that if you close up half it, since the hole's not big enough to allow Tumma in, even though you didn't do a closing of the whole thing, that it would be valid. Again, continuing on this themes, Vama Rava. Rava says another halacha. Hari Amr, they said in the Mishnahs, which we mentioned before, someone steals chametz, and then Pesach passes it by. So Amrullah, he could tell the guy he stole from, here is yours, it's in front of you, I'm giving you back what I stole, even though it's not worth anything, but that's a Hezekshain and Nikr, he's giving him back what he stole from him. Now, regarding that halacha, Bayi Rava. Rava had the following question, as we continue to base. Nishba Allah. If after that it became forbidden, meaning after Pesach, he swore to him that he doesn't have this chametz that he's, he's claiming that he stole from him. Now, Ma, what's the halach over there? So, the Rabbi explains the question. If right now, the, that chametz, that bread, that cake that he stole from this guy a week after Pesach, now he stole it before Pesach, now it's a week after Pesach, if it was stolen from him, as we said previously, he'll have to pay up to the guy he stole from. 
So So essentially, when he's denying and saying, I didn't steal from you, he's denying money because there is monetary value to this, as we see that even though the chametz itself is not worth anything, but if someone stole from him, he wouldn't be able to say, he would have to pay up the guy the value of the chametz itself, which is still had value from before Pesach. Or maybe says Rava, Right now, the chametz is right here. And he could exempt himself because he doesn't have to pay him back anything. It's actually like dirt, like dust, because it actually has no value. It's actually asabahana. So, but like, he's not denying any money. When he says, I didn't steal from you, what am I making you lose? I ha- it's right here. I could just give it back to you. It's worth zero. And I would be able to exempt myself that way. So therefore, even though I'm saying, no, I didn't, maybe it's just because pride, whatever it is, but I'm not, there's no monetary uh, claim that's going on over here. And therefore, he would be exempt from all the halachas that are incumbent upon somebody that swears falsely regarding theft. So what's halacha? Do we consider it moment? Because if it would get stolen from him, then it would have that, he would have to pay money? Or do we say that, no, it has no monetary value, and therefore he's not chayev in the halachas of someone that swears falsely about his gazelo. So the Gemara tells that milsa dibayi this, what, that was a question for Rava, was obvious to Rabba because the Amar Rabba, like we see from the following halacha from Rabba, Rabba says that if someone tells somebody, Sherry Ganafti, you stole my ox. And he says, No, I didn't steal it. So the guy says to him, What do you mean? So then, what, what good is it doing by you? If you didn't steal it, why is my ox by you? So the guy says, What do you mean? I'm watching for free your stuff. I'm not a, I'm not a Ganam. I'm your Shemer. I was watching a deposit. And he swears, and then he admits that he was lying, that he really was a thief. Says Rabbah, Chayb, he's going to be liable for a carbon shvua, even though he admitted before he swore that the money itself is not his, that it's the other guy's. So why is he Chayb? What do you mean? Okay, I didn't steal it, but he admits that he has to give it back to him. He says, I'm just a shamer, but yeah, it's not mine, it's yours. So why is he Chayb? Says Rabbi Shai Pater Atzmai, because through the, the oath that he swore that he didn't steal, that he was just a shamer, he exempted himself from situations that if, let's say, it would have gotten stolen from him or lost after he took that oath, he would have exempted himself by that lie, because actually he himself stole it, and, he, and the Ganav is Chayiv in all Ainz until he returns it. But by saying that, no, I'm not a Ganav, I'm just a Shemachinam, he would have been exempting himself. Oh, you're exempting yourself then that's a lot, that's a kfira of moment, you're denying regarding monetary obligations. Therefore, Yechayev for carbon Shavuah. Actually, even if Shem is on love, let's say it doesn't say, I'm a Shem it says, I have a, I have a higher level of responsibility. But again, I didn't steal it, I was watching for pay. Still says Rabbi, Chayev is going to be Chayev for carbon Shavuah, because by being a Shem he would be exempting himself from an Aynas, where if, let's say, it breaks, or if it dies, where Shem is exempt from, which, as a Ganav, is really chayv in those things. Even if he says, love, let's say he says that I'm even, I, you know what, I didn't steal it, I, was, I borrowed it from you, where that's generally liable for everything, still is chayv, because even the shayl is exempt in situations where if it dies because of the work that it does, or if it gets weakened because of the, 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 the meat of the value of it goes down because of the work, even the shale is exempt because what he borrowed for to do work, not to keep it in, 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 on some, in some throne or something. He, kept, he took it to, to work it, and therefore that even the shale is exempt, which a ganem would not be exempt because you have no rights to use it. You have even for that type of an ainus, even and therefore says Rabbi in all these cases he'd be chayiv. Says the Gemara, Amma, what we see from Rabbi is a afagav the hakoyim, even though the ox is here, and the guy admits that the ox is not his, that it's the guy who's claiming it. So even though right now he's not denying anything, but still what we see from Rabbi is that since ultimately the end conclusion of this oath could bring to denial of money, if let's say there's a situation where it gets stolen or breaks or whatever it is, so therefore he's going to be chayiv. Why? Because keeping the imigdav, since if it would get stolen, let's say in the case of the shemichinam, mamayna so he would be denying money because by saying he's a Shemachin and that would exempt him. But as being a Ganam, he would be Chayev. So Hashtanami, Mamayna Kukhafa. So what do we see? Rabbah is saying he's considering that as if right now, by just claiming, he, swearing that he didn't steal it, even though both for right now it's the same thing, you're a Shemachin or you're a Ganam, either way you got to return the thing, still we consider that a denial of money. So says the Gemara, Hachanami, here also in the case that Rava was asking, Rabbah would hold that Afagaf, that even though by the denial of Chametz, 
that it's like you're admitting because the Afra Ba'amahu, it's like dust. In other words, I'm not denying anything right now. Even though I say I didn't steal it, there's no difference if I said I did steal or I didn't steal it. Anyway, it's not worth anything to you. So he's not really denying money, but even the imigdiv, but still since if it would get stolen, and then he would be liable to have to pay up the guy he stole from actual monies. So he would have to pay him up full-fledged money. So it turns out that by saying he didn't steal, it would help him this oath to exempt himself. So therefore comes out that even right now he's denying money, and therefore according to Rabbah, you would be chayv. So this, that Rav had a question, to Rabbah was obvious that you would be chayv. It would be considered denial of money because of what a potential exemption it would cost. Now, the Gemara tells us, however, that Yosef and the Gir says, Rabbah, Rabbi was sitting and saying this halacha that we just said, that for him it was obvious, unlike Rabbi who had a question, he was sitting and saying that halacha that, that we just quoted from him. So on that Eisavir of Amal Rabbi, so Rav Am asked to Rabbi from the following b'risa. This is from a pasig in the Yukar of Parakei, pasig of Beis, that says, Imotza Avedo, or if someone finds lost object, so the b'risa quotes that part of the pasig, that says, ba, and he denies it, however. But the pasig there continues, he says, and he swears falsely, so then he's liable for all those obligations. Says the Brisa, Prat When it says he denies it, what the guy's claiming from him, it, that excludes that he would not be liable if he admits to the primary thing that the guy's claiming from him. Says the Brisa Kate. So, what type of a case would that be told? Right? Well, let's say the guy tells him, Sherry you stole my ox. He says, No, I didn't steal it. Then the guy says back to him, Then what good is he doing by you? You didn't steal it, so why is he by you? So, on that, he gives him one of the following responses. Either he tells him, well, you sold it to me. Which the more later on is going to ask, why would that be a case illustrating of Moedibeka, that he admits that the principle that he has to give it back to that person, here to the country, saying you sold it to me, that it's mine, it's not yours. So the Gemara will address that. But, or he says, you gave it to me as a gift. Or, your father sold it to me. Or, your father gave it to me as a gift. Or he says, you're right, this is not mine, but it ran after my cow, your ox ran after it, that's why it's in my restrictions, but I didn't steal it. Or it came by itself to me. Or I found it wandering on the road, and they just brought it into the house. Or, and these are the cases which are illustrating uh, clearly which this will actually be the question that the Gemara has on Rabbah. says, well, I didn't steal it, so you're asking me why do I have it? Because I'm watching it for free for you. Or I was watching for pay for you. Or Shoyan love, I was borrowing it from you. But you're right, it's not mine, but I didn't steal it. And then he swears to this effect that he's saying, or you gave it to me. And then he admits, he says, you're right, I was lying. I actually was a stealer. I stole it, and that's why I had it. You'd think that he would be liable for swearing falsely regarding a theft that he did. Says the Brisa, the Pasuk says, and he denies it. That excludes if he admits to the principle that it's not his. That's not considered, although he's lying regarding that he stole it, but it's anyways he's admitting that, he, that it's not his and he has to give it back to the person. Therefore, that would not qualify for the halachas of shvuas, uh, of, 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 of old halachas that come along for someone that swears falsely regarding uh, a gzela that he had if he's admitting to the principle that it's, that it's not his, that it goes to that person. But one thing that we see that the Gemara is asking on Rabbah, Ram's question is, you see clearly contradictory to Rabbah. Those exact cases that Rabbah said, that if he says, he really stole, but he was lying, I didn't steal, I'm rather shemachinam, he says that he's going to be chayiv in the carbon shvua, here we see clearly in the b'risa that you're going to be exempt, because you're moide in the, in the ikr, in the principle. So Amalei, so Rabbi responded to Rav Amram, he says, Tadura, which he says that you don't have any insight. Why? Because Kitanyahi, when did we learn the Abraisa that you're going to be exempt, is the Ka'amalei Helech, where he tells to the guy, here it is. You're right, this is yours. Now, there you can't say what Rabbi was saying, this, this svar of ilu mignav. Oh, if it would get stolen, oh, then he would be exempting himself because as a shemechinim he would have been exempt, but as a ganav he would have been chayiv. And since that could bring a future consequential exemption, so right now it's considered. He can't because it's right here, right now. And he's telling him, okay, go ahead and take your stuff. So therefore he's not exempting himself from anything. So you're right. That's what the b'risa says, that that's excluded from the halacha of being chayiv in the carbon shvur. 
But says Rabbi Kika Amina, when was I saying that you're going to be chayiv? Is the kind of Agam where it's in the swamp? It's not here right now. So till he gets it from where he has this, this ox hiding that he stole from the guy, till he gets it back, it might be a week. In that interim, if he would have been believed in his what he was lying about and saying that he was a shemachinim, he would have exempted himself from a geneva or a veda. Yet, since he was really a ganim, he'd be chayiv. Oh, so that's a denial of something that helps you monetarily. Oh, that's where you're going to be chayiv. But the price that says you're going to be exempt is because he's saying it's right here. So go ahead and take it. So there's no time lapse to allow for any monetary exemptions, and that's why you're going to be potter. Now, however, the Gemara just asked on the price that we brought in, which was used to ask a question on Rabbah, the Gemara has some questions regarding how it illustrated that halacha. One of the cases that it said that is exempt from the carbon shvuah, even though you lied about the stealing, but because you were made to be ikr, was atamachartli. You sold it to me. I didn't steal it, you sold it to me. Ask the Gemara, my might be ikr, ikr. What type of admitting to the principle that we're saying that you're not denying anything monetarily because you're anyways admitting that you have to give back the guy his money? What do you mean? You're not saying that. You're saying he sold it to you. And then the Gemara, Lloyd Sricha, the Amale, that he said to him that, you're right, you sold it to me, but I didn't give you the money. So if you're claiming that, that I stole it from you, I didn't steal it from you, I bought it from you. But you're right, either way he was admitting he has to give it back, take your ox and go. I didn't steal it from you, you sold it to me. But again, either way he was admitting that he still owes him the principal or the amount of the principal. Now, the next case is, Atin Nesatli, you gave it to me. Avicha Nasanli, your father gave it to me. Again, the same question, my might be Iker Iker, what type of admitting to the principal is there? He's saying that you gifted it to me. So it is mine. So he's not admitting he has to give back the Iker to the person. And that answers the Gemara, the Amalie, that he says to him, No, you gave it to me, your father gave it to me. As long as I do something pleasing for you. But I didn't do it for you. So shakal turcha vizel, take your ox and go. We're, again, he's admitting that he owes the ox back to the person. So again, that's why it's not a kfira of mammon, And that's why he's exempt. Another one of the cases was I found it wandering in the road. That's why I have it in my house. And that asked the Gemara, but then Lema let the, let, the, let the owner of the ox tell him, then you should have returned it to me. When you found it, you shouldn't be taking it to your house because you know me. And therefore, there's no greater ganav than that. So why is that considered someone that's exempt from the shvua of a ganav when there's no greater ganav by taking it home instead of giving it back to the guy who lost it? So the father Shmuel said, It's when he says that I swear that I found it a lost object. I didn't know that it was just to return to you. That's why it's by me, but I didn't steal it. I would, I would have gladly returned it. I just didn't know that it was yours. So again, therefore, but he was admitting to the principle that go ahead and take it. I just found it. It's, it's not that I stole it. Now the Gemara says, relating to this discussion, Tanu Litna Braisa, Amar Ben Azay, Ben Azay said, Gimel Shvuasein. There are three types, there's three cases of oaths that could happen regarding testimony, regarding a lost object. Which is, let's say the homeowner says to one witness that I want you to swear if you saw anything regarding my lost object. And the guy, this individual who we're calling the Eid Echad, says, no, it's not true. I swear that I have, I have no clue about your lost object. Then after swearing, he admits, and he says, no, it's not true. I really did know, but I swore falsely. What, what are these three types of cases? Well, one is Hikarba Voleba Maitza, where he knew regarding the, 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 the object, but he didn't know regarding the one who found the lost object. In other words, where he says, that originally he saw the cow going in someone else's domain, but he didn't know whose domain it was in. So he did recognize that there was this guy's lost object, but he didn't know who found it. Or he admits later after he swore falsely that he did recognize originally Bemaitza, he recognized a guy who found the lost object, but but not in the lost object itself. In other words, that he should have said, and that's why we're saying that it's a false oath that he said, that I have no clue, it's not true. The first case is you had a clue about the, lo- the, the lost object, you just didn't know whose domain it was in. The second case is that he knew that who found the lost object, he just sort of should have said, but I didn't know that it was yours. I didn't know what the lost object was that this guy found. And again, as Rashi clarifies, it says that we're talking about 1-8 over here. Or, or the third case is, is where he says that I didn't know what the lost object was, I didn't know who found it. Which Yigmar asks, if he says that when he admits that you know, I know, you, I swore falsely that you asked me if I knew anything about your lost object, and I didn't. I really did. 
but I just didn't know the lost object, and I didn't know who found it. So the Gemara asked Kushish, then he, then he swore actually honestly because he said he had no clue. If you don't know anything about a lost object that was found, and you don't know neither about a guy who found the lost object, then you really didn't know. So Re'ad says the Gemara that the third case is no, that he, he, he actually admits that he knew about this guy's lost object, let's say a, a cow, and he knew about that guy Reuven that found the, that cow. So he knew all the pertinent information, and yet he swore falsely saying he didn't know, and that is where, that's the third case of a guy who swore falsely regarding testimony regarding this guy's lost object. So those are the three cases of Benazai. Now, on that aspect of Lamai Hilchasa, this Benazai was saying that these are three cases of one aid regarding a lost object of a Veda who swore falsely then admitted what halachic ramifications does that have? What type of penalty is there? So Rav Ami Om Rav Chanina says, actually lift her. Actually Ben Azay was saying that these are three cases where the one aide who swore falsely and then admitted are actually three cases that he's going to be exempt from any liability. Whereas the Shmuel Ami says Lechiev, no, he's going to be Chayev for the Shmuel Sa'edus that he swore falsely regarding knowing this guy's lost object. Now, the Gemara explains that actually the Machlik is between Shmuel and Rav Chanina is a Machlik is Tanoim like we learned in the Braisa. The Braisa says, if someone makes one witness take an oath and he denies and he says that I swear I don't know any testimony for you, says the Tanakama, so Potter, so that one aid is going to be exempt from, the, there's a carbon of Shvuas Eidus, where if a guy swears falsely regarding testimony, if he's caught lying, he has to bring a carbon. Now, in this case, says the Tanakam, he's going to be exempt because even if he would testify for that guy, he wouldn't make the defendant liable for anything but a shvuah, only an oath, because he's only eid echad. Now, even though you could say that maybe the defendant's not going to want to swear and he's going to cause indirectly the, the guy who wants a testimony from him to win the court case, that's just what's called a garm lamam, and it's just an indirect cause for monetary halacha, which as him causing that liability, is exempt. And this is also a case of Gorin Lamam and Dami because by him not saying his testimony, he's not causing the other guy to be chayav in the shvur, which could have caused him to not want to swear and to exempt himself, and therefore then he would be chayav, and that guy would get the money. That's a Gorin Lamam, and that's not considered something that the Eid Echad is going to be chayav for. But for Blaz Ribshim and Michav, he says that, no, that that Eid is going to be chayav for that loss, that this guy lost money, and therefore he's going to be chayav for a carbon. So the Gemara says, what are they disagreeing about? Something that causes a loss of money is like money itself. So let's take the case of where he knew about the lost object, but he didn't know who found it. If this guy would have testified and said, you're right, I did see that your lost object was in that corner, but I don't know who found it, so then they would have gone looking around in the neighborhood until they would find out who was it that actually found it. And for sure in the case of when he knew about who found it, meaning, but he didn't know that it was this guy's lost object, if he would say, oh, you're right, I don't know if it was your object, but I know this guy found something, then they would have gotten, they, it would have caused them to help them find the money. Now, that's only a gremlin moment, however, but it's not money itself, and therefore it's not causing a direct loss, because even if he would have made that testimony, that I saw that this guy, both Ba'ubamaitza, I saw that this guy found your object, that guy could have still exempted himself by saying that there was an anus, that it was taken from me, which then he would have exempted himself with a shvur. So it's not definitely that he's causing a loss to this guy, but it's definitely a goyim moment, and therefore a sedra blazer of Shimon is going to be chayev for a carbon for his shvur, so aid that he swore falsely. Whereas a marasov alav kamam, holds is not like money, and again, that's the same achlik between Shmuel and Reb Chanina regarding this one aid, if he swears falsely, which is a goyim moment at the most, and therefore, if you hold Kemam and Domin like Rabbi Lozav then you're going to say that you're going to be Chayev, the way Shmuel says it, and Rabbi Chanin must hold like the Tanakama, that's Lav Kemam and Domin, therefore he's exempt from the Karman Shvua in that case. Now, relating to the Pasi that we brought before in the Brisa of Achichishba, the Gemara brings another halacha, Amar Avsheshes. It says, Someone denies the positive, that someone deposited by him. And then witnesses come, and they say, <laughs> we know you have that deposit. So Nasa love Gazan. So from the moment that he denied, he became a robber. Because even though he didn't swear falsely, but now we know through the witnesses that this guy was lying, so that makes him into a thief. So from here on, he doesn't have Allah anymore, which he had originally of Hashem Echinam, which was, let's say, exempt from Geneva Veda and Einzim. Rather, Nasa loved Gazlan. 
he now suddenly has the halacha of a gazan and b'chayv ba'inzin, and therefore now he's going to be liable if, let's say, an oinus happened till he returns it to the guy, he's going to be liable oinus because we consider him already as a gazan. Says the Gemara v'tana tuna, and this is supported from the following brisa. The brisa says b'chichish, but says in the pasuk that he denies regarding this guy's deposit. Says the brisa lemanu oinus. So we learn regarding the, the penalty, the punishment. I Meaning, because after that, the pasuk says. So Beheshev Esegzeli has to return the stolen object. So obviously we consider in his domain from the moment that he was Vechichesh, which although he was watching something, we really consider it as stealing from the moment he denies until he returns it. And that's what the Bryson means when calling it, we know about the Einish, which is the penalty that we don't suddenly exempt him with Gneva Veda as he was up until now like Hashem Echinim. He's going to be Chayev for Einstein. Says the Bryson, so that's where it teaches you the punishment. But as Harminayim, where do we know that the warning regarding this Isser of denying that we're going to consider you as a Ganav already? Tamalayim, that's what the Pasuk teaches, It says, that you should not deny. Says the Brisa, it says the Brisa, that teaches you that you shouldn't do that. By saying that if you do, then and that's the Einish. Anytime there's a punishment, the Torah has to first warn you. Where's the warning? Is in a different passage. Don't do this, don't deny it. Now, says the Gemara in support of Rav Sheshis, my love, what does the what does the Bryson mean over here when the guy just denies that we're saying that right away there's a punishment? Isn't it regarding the punishment of money? Which actually Rashi's gears is my love, kefira. Isn't it the punishment of the denial? In other words, for what is this punishment? coming that we're really considering you, you as a Ghana to be liable for the Einstein. Isn't it because that we punish you regarding just the denial that Chichesh itself makes you liable in Einstein, even though you didn't swear falsely? And it's already, like Rav Sheesh said, you're going to be Chayv on Einstein already from that. Whereas the second halacha that comes with, let's say, the Chaymish and the Karban Ashram, those things come when you make the Shvua. But regarding Einstein, seemingly it's saying, like Rav Sheesh, that happens right away with Chichesh Ba. And that's Gemara No. Actually, the Einish that the Pasig is being manashu to be Chayv and Einzin is actually La Einish Shvua. That's actually a penalty because of the, the false oath that the guy took. But if, let's say, he didn't make a Shvua, then actually, no, he wouldn't be considered as a Ganav already, and he wouldn't be Chayv and Einzin until he makes a false oath. Just denying would not make that liability. Not like Rav Sheshis. Not that the Gemara asks, but Hamadiktani Seifa Di Ishtabeya, that's the Girsa, that, but if from the end of the Braisa, it's clearly talking about a case. A different case, which is that that is where you took an oath, because it mentions that over there. The inference is that the Reisha, which was this liability of being Chayv and Einzin, was obviously even without an oath. The Ketani Seva, because we learned in the Seifa that says, it says in the Pasuk, which is after those words we quoted, the Pasuk is the next words are, that he swears falsely. Says the Braisa, oh, so we learn a penalty, which it says afterwards, which is, not just for being Chayb and Einzin of Veheshev Ezekzela, but the Chaymish, the extra fifth, and the Karben Asham. Says the Brisa as Harminayin. Where do we know the warning regarding this? Meaning, we know that that's the penalty, that you can be Chayb and Chaymish and Asham for swearing falsely. Where does it say that you shouldn't swear falsely? Tamalim the Shakru. So that's what the Pasuk says, that you shouldn't swear falsely, which, although it says you shouldn't lie, it's warning regarding lying through an oath. Because actually near there it says, Le you shouldn't swear falsely in my name. Now the reason why it brings down the Pasuk is because from there that we learn out that it's an oath regarding denying money. The reason being is because it says over the Ishba Misei, which is like the Pasuk of Bechichesh Ba Misei by Bechadon, it says also Bechichesh Ba Misei, just like over there it's regarding denying a monetary claim. Here also the, the swearing falsely is regarding denying a monetary claim. So that's where you know the Einish of a Chaymish and Asham, and you know the Ashar of a Chaymish and Asham. So, says the Gemara, from the fact that the end of the Brisa is talking about a different halacha, which is obviously saying clearly regarding only when you made a Shvuah Lashakah. So, Reisha, so the Reisha that doesn't mention that, it just talks about the Chichish, but regarding the denying, obviously is the Loishtabeya, where these two halachas are different. Regarding the Chaymish and the Asham, yes, that's only after you swear falsely that you say, I didn't, I didn't steal, and I'm going to swear, and he swears. Then he admits, oh, that's when he chayv chayv shenashem. But regarding being liable for Einstein right now, like a ganav, that happens right when you, from you deny, even if Adam come, even if we just find out about it, even if you didn't swear falsely, you're going to be chayv in Einstein, because obviously that's only the last halacha that's only with a shvur, but the first one's even without a shvur. 
So I mean, they said that no. Actually, there's no right to Rav Sheshis because we could say that actually both halachas are for Einish of Shavua. Not like the Gemara had entertained to say Batan the Tun to Rav Sheshis that the first one for the Einish of the Kfira itself just for denying of it. Now, so then what's the difference? Why does it make it sound like that the Chemish and Ashim only come with the second half of the Pasik, which is of, of Nishba al Shakr? But the first halacha sounds like it comes even with just v'chichishba. But aren't they both talking about shavuah? Yes, but says the Gemara Khan, over here in the Seifa, it's talking about shahida, where he admitted after he swore falsely, where there there's a liability of the chaymish and the asham. Khan in the Reish is talking about shabu edim. Where, yes, he swore falsely, because you don't have the liability of einsin if you didn't swear falsely. He swore falsely, but then witnesses came. Asu edim chayv ba'einsin. If witnesses come, then already we know that he's really lying, and therefore he's a Ghana, then he's already Chayv and But I do it, Chayv Bekaren Chayv Mesha It's only when he himself admits that then he's liable for the principal and the fifth and the carbon Asham. That's why there's the, the, the differentiation between the Rish and the Seif. Again, both are talking about it's not a right to Rav Both can be talking about that the liability is not from the time that you deny it, it's only when you make a Shvula Shaker. So then what's the difference is if what happens after the Shvula Shaker is what's important. If witnesses come, then there's no halach of chemish and asham, but you'll have the liability for the lightness. If witnesses do not come, and instead he admits himself, that's when there's actually going to be the chayev for the chemish and asham, because witnesses are different. Witnesses actually create a liability of kefal, different types of halachas, but that's the difference between the two, and therefore no riot to rapshation. Now, actually, Masav Rami Barchama. Rami Barchama actually asks from the following, from the following halacha, Mesech the Shvuist of Mimdal Ahmed Beis, on this halacha of There, the Gemara is talking about there are certain halachas, although generally the way it works with Shavuos is the one who's defending himself. He wants to exempt himself. He's the one that takes the oath to exempt. There are cases where actually it's Nishban the Nightman, the guy who's coming to collect, that he makes, those are the exceptions, but there are those exceptions that he swears and he collects with that. And one of them is If the opposite guy is suspect regarding an oath, in other words, if let's say somebody is liable for his friend the Shavuah. Let's say he's made the mixes, whatever the halach is, but he's suspect regarding oaths, where we already found him lying in oaths. So in those situations, the guy, actually the plaintiff, he's the guy who makes the Shavuah that you do owe me, and he collects with that. Now, says the halacha Ketzat, what type of a case would that be? So says the halacha that Echad, this is whether if he suspect on Shavuah Sa'edus, regarding swearing false, regarding testimony, or the Echad, or whether if he swore on a Shavuos HaPikodin, regarding an oath, regarding a deposit, that we see that he swore falsely, because we actually found out that he actually did have the deposit. It wasn't stolen from him. And actually says, the halacha of Aphilets, even if he's not suspect, just actually just for a Shavuos Shav, even if he just once swore falsely, in general, he swore regarding an arbitrary fact, which didn't have any monetary implications, which is just an Avera to Shemayim, but it wasn't any Avera interpersonally, Still, he becomes suspect regarding an oath, and he becomes invalid for taking an oath to exempt himself from monetary law. That's a case where, therefore, the other guy is going to take the shvu and collect from him. That's the halacha. Says Rabbi Barchama, Vim Isa, and if Rav Shesh's halacha was correct, that from the moment that he denies, he becomes a goslin. So then, why does the halacha have to say all these cases, which sounds like that he only becomes apostle when he makes the shvuah? But the problem is, from the moment of Big Fira, when he just denies, which one of the cases was Shavuos HaBikadon. Why? From the moment that he denies, who de Ifsaleh? It's already at that point that it becomes possible because it's already a Gazlin. According to Rav Shesh, just denying already gives you the, the halach of a Gazlin, which therefore that's why you have a Nainzin. So according to him, that is contradicted from this halacha, which makes it sound like that it's only when you take the Shavuos HaBikadon, and then we find out that you were lying. But just denying and lying, that's not enough. So Amidei said, that when Rav Shesha said his halacha was, for example, what witnesses say, then when he was denying it, we actually saw it in his hands. That, Rav Shesha says, yes, just denying, is already, you're, already, you're already denied, you're a goslin already, because we see it in your hands. Then you'd be chayb But And therefore then you'd be puzzled for, for edis, for to, to take a shvuah, because we know that you're a liar. But in, you're a goslin, a goslin is puzzled for, 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 to take that shvuah. But what are we talking about over here in this b'raisa is the koi ba'agam, where it, it was in the swamp. Where delav kfirhu, where it's not a clear-out denial, a, a straight-out lie, meaning even without a shvua, because the stuff of the guy's thinking 
I will do a delay tactic until I go ahead and bring it to him. And since he, what we're talking about is since you could say that his intention was not to deny the claim, it was just to, to delay, there he doesn't become apostle if he didn't take an oath. As the Gemara actually says this to resolve Rav Sheshes, because Teda, you should know that there is such a chiluk, such a differentiation, because the Amr Avid Baraban, Ravid Baraban said, Hakoifa b'melva. If someone denies a loan, someone says, I lent you a thousand dollars, what loan? What thousand dollars? Now, he didn't swear, however, about it. And then witnesses come and say, <laughs> we were there, we saw him lend you a thousand dollars, don't start lying over here. Allah is kashal edis. He is still valid to say testimony. Why? The reason for this is, and this is similar to the case of it being in the swamp, is because a guy gets a loan, it's meant to be used. So therefore, it's not anymore the guy who lent it to him, and the guy doesn't have the money anymore. So he just wants to push off the guy until he could get the money to be able to pay him back. So on some level, he's really telling the truth. What loan? I don't have any of your money. What do you mean? I lent you $1,000. Just like the case in the swamp. If he's holding it in his hand, then yes, Rav Shesha said, of course he's not going to be able to take his shavuah. Because it's a straight out liar. It's a goslin. This guy's holding on to it. You have it. What are you saying that you don't have it? But if it's in the swamp and I don't have it on me right now, yeah, you make a shavuah for sure that's problematic. But if you don't have it, there, that's what the Bryce was talking about, that you would only have to become apostle if you made a shvua. But Rav Shesha would agree that if it's not holding it, it's just in the swamp, just like case I created for Bimilva, yes, I said I don't have that $1,000 you lent me. I, you didn't lend me. I don't have your money. Why not? Because I don't really have it. It's not here. I don't have to have it. I already spent it. I'm allowed to spend it. So then you're actually going to be kashal edis if there was no shvua. Whereas, as we continue in the temple of which... Actually, as the Gemara in the beginning of Shnayim Eichsen explains that the case of the deposit would be told where witnesses say that at that moment that he denied, he was holding it in his hand. So that's where Rav Idabar Oven said, which actually agrees to this premise of Rav Sheshes, that then, then he's going to be puzzled for testimony because even though he didn't swear, and because if he did swear, then there wouldn't be any difference between the loan or the deposit, that's the difference of Rav Sheshes where if he didn't swear, he, he's, he's still going to be possible ages because you're holding on to it. We saw you have the deposit. What are you told about you don't have it? If it was somewhere else, or like a case of a loan, which is always somewhere else, then if you didn't swear, then you're not going to be possible ages. That's the case of the Bryce, which was saying that you're only going to be possible for the Shavua only if you first took an oath. But since it's in the Agam, that Rav Shesha would agree that that denial would not make you into a Goslin. It's only Rav Shesha's case where the witnesses come and say it's in his hands. The guy is lying, not with an oath, but he's denying. He's Kichish. That's where we're ready from that point on, says Rav Shesha, he's already be Chayiv in Einstein.